Welcome to podcast number five of Courageous Conversations. And I have got the wonderful Amanda Gould from High Spec Properties with me today. Welcome, Amanda. Hi, Leanne. Good to see you. Thanks so much for coming in. Um, I would love to start with just your business. I know you were in the travel industry for a really long time, had a baby. Yes. And then you started your buyer's agency. Can you just talk us through the journey? Okay. So it did start back in 1988 when I bought my first property. Right. Um, So I'd always actually always wanted to be in travel. I want to be a flight attendant actually um, since I was a little girl. And I think a lot of us had that aspiration when we were little. And then I became a travel consultant because I realized that I could actually be sent overseas on lots of these trips and I could learn a lot about the world and I could be sitting down on the seat being served rather than the person serving. Totally (laughs) understand. (laughs) So that was a real passion of mine and I led that to 27 years in travel in all different aspects. Right. Um, On the side, I started buying properties when I was 18 in 1988. Now, that's when the interest rates were 18.74%. I remember. um, Under the Labor government. And I was earning $5,900 a year as a travel consultant. So a bit crazy. My first purchase was in Manly on Addison Road on the Eastern Hill, little studio for $66,000. Lovely. And I really liked the whole experience of actually owning something, like sure. owning a piece of something. Now, I never lived there. It was an investment. Yep. And i also all about, as you know, I love nice things and fashion yep. and interior design. And while that wasn't a big push or anything like that back, especially when I was 18, I just knew I wanted to make something ugly pretty. And really, I did a very basic update, I would call it. I wouldn't call it a full renovation of that to make it look more attractive for a renter. Right. And I did that and I really liked it. And then um, I moved overseas. I lived in London and Tokyo and I sent money back. For a fun to buy oh, more property. Oh, you're a good girl. <laughs> well, well, that was back when the yen was worth a lot of money. Yeah, Not when right. London, I had no money. I was partying all the time and I was traveling and I had no money. Yeah. But when I was in Tokyo, it was all about saving. Right. Um, so probably the only time in my life that I have actually consistently <laughs> saved, I have to say, otherwise. But there was nothing really to spend money except for travel there. Yeah. Uh, so I sent money back uh, into a fund and then I'd fly back and buy property. Right. And put it in, start building a little portfolio. And um, I came back in the late 90s, or 96, 97. And that's when I started buying, you know, like a little, all well about studios was starting off because that sure. was what my budget could afford. Yeah. And doing them up, but I was doing them up to rent, not to flip. I just wanted to get a few under my belt. A little bit later than that, I went through a divorce and I um, bought another property um, to to move into in Surrey Hills, which I did up and lived in. And then I started doing up properties on the side and I actually did some courses. So I learned how to do that. Okay, yep. And so I was consistently, my friends consistently saw me buying, renovating, selling, making a little profit, getting on to the next one. So a lot of people would say to me over the years, Amanda, you know, if you see something that meets these criteria, can you let yeah, me know? Sure, makes or, sense. Yeah, can you come to an auction? I'm too scared and you're buying property all the time. You seem quite confident. Yeah. And they'd give me a bottle of champagne for my efforts. Not sure. like I was charging anything. It was yeah. just like I was doing friends favours and yeah. then family. And then it started, I started thinking, hang on a minute, this is There's actually something a business is this? idea. Yeah. And there weren't really buyers agents. <laughs> there weren't a lot of buyers agents in those days, right? No, not as many. And I... Uh, basically, I thought, well, you know, I, I went back to work after I was on maternity leave. Um, I got pregnant at 40 and had Molly at 41. Wow. 
So I was a late mum and I was flying all over the country as a BDM for a corporate travel company. So I was presenting to mostly men in big boardrooms like Volkswagen, etc., and um, pitching ideas. But I was flying all over the country to do this. And I thought, what am I going to do when I come back from maternity leave? Am I going to cloak my daughter at the Qantas Club? No, that's not going to happen. And and daycares don't open until 7.30. Sure. Uh, So I And I have to be on a 6.30 flight. So it just wasn't going to work. So I started... When I was on maternity leave, I got my real estate license. Right. And I had my first three clients on maternity leave. So I really, I say I had a year off, but you didn't sort of really. Didn't really. Yeah. Uh, I can't sit still though. I did renovation in that time. I, I bought a property the day before I gave birth, had a 12 week settlement and renovated it while she was strapped to me. Um, very hands on on that renovation. Um, I kept it in my portfolio. I didn't flip it, which I'm glad about now because it's got, yeah, it's got a special story, right? Yes, it yeah. does. It does. And it's also more than doubled in, in that eight yeah, years, which nice. is awesome in yeah. Darlinghurst. Um, and then because I had those three clients, they started giving my – my first client was actually my cousin and my cousin's husband is a plastic surgeon. Right. And he gave my name to a couple of people on a plastic surgery conference. Right. And then they came and bought three properties in a row from me over the next couple of years. He's actually bought five properties from me now. Wow. Um, so then you start getting regulars that, yep. that like using your services and they're very time poor people, of course. Yeah. Then, you know, it was time for me to go back to my, you know – Real job. Real job. Uh, and then I realized, wow, if I can, if I can keep doing this and run this while I'm doing a full-time job yep. on the side, and I had, I think I had seven clients when I went back to work. Right. And I don't know how I managed the time, honestly. No. With everything with I was a doing as and, well. a, and a corporate job. Yeah. But because I was a BDM, I sort of had a bit of leeway because I was on the road a lot so I could go and do inspections yeah um and I and I ran that and then I went oh I I can't stand travel anymore I just don't want to be there anymore 27 years it's enough I'm over it I really love what I'm doing I love helping people and the the feedback I'm getting from my clients why wouldn't I do this yeah um so I quit my day job I spoke to my husband and I said, look, you know, it is a leap of faith, but I've already made $80,000 and I haven't even tried. So imagine if I put all of my effort in and actually tried growing the business because I hadn't tried that, you know, and really just started off with myself working from home. Then I um, employed an assistant to help me with the admin, which I'm never that good at. Uh, You have to, you force yourself to, because as a small business, you are the only person, but you know, as soon as you can start outsourcing that, you do. And then I just started growing, um, growing the team over time and for me my business is built 100% on referrals so strategic partners and referrals so when did you leave your corporate job um 2000 and I had Molly in 2011 um so I kept that going for about eight months I think so maybe 2012 but I I kept it going so I started working in 2011 yeah yeah and how many in the team now five well you should be really proud of what you've achieved that's an awesome story thank you thank you for sharing Thank you. Um, so as you know, the name of the podcast is Courageous Conversations. Yeah. So can you tell me some times in your life where you've had to have those courageous conversations? I think they've come up quite a lot. Yeah. Uh, I, I suppose I've always been a bit of a go-getter regardless of if I was working for an employer or myself. You can tell just by the pattern of your um, the way you speak that you're a go-getter because you speak fast, you think fast, you yes, kind of always, I eat fast, I yeah, do, everything do everything fast, fast. I dance fast. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose the, the conversations I have to say is the buck stops with me and yep. it's a really hard, like when yep. you're a person that's used to achieving high targets and then you don't, there's no one else to blame and um, Tanja is my 
business coach, as you know. And she had a frank conversation with me. So at the end of last year to beginning of this year, I had a lot of doubt, like, you know, there wasn't any money coming in. Clearly, it's a downtime for the industry. And I had probably spent money on things that I didn't really like. I rebranded last year, which was quite a bit expense out of the the budget. And hiring new people when, you know, I maybe shouldn't have done that at the time. I'm okay now. But, you know, I did go through a patch where, um, you know, cash flow was poor and I was focusing more in the business instead of on the business. So I wasn't looking at the big picture, always thinking, well, okay, it's great to have these clients on the books now. Who have I got coming up? Sure. Uh, I got a bit too caught up in the actual business and having that frank discussion and having someone point out to me and saying, you know, whose fault is this? Really, the buck stops with me. And it, it actually really brought me to tears because really? it was shocking that I'd actually let the ball drop. I mean, I hadn't because I still was working really well with my clients, but the ball drop is in the vision of the company. Yep. I'd sort of let it slide a little bit to, to yep. deal with the problems in the in the now, and I haven't let that happen this year. I've been really focused on what's happening. We just had 12 clients on our books, which we've been slowly buying for, buying for, and now we've got, I think, four left, um, and, and I'm already looking at the, the horizon for the next and not letting my eye off that prize. So sure. having those conversations and saying to myself, you know, Who's when she when Tanja said that to me and you know she kept hard hitting and asking the questions and asking and then drilling right down. So it took a while for you to actually go. Oh yeah. wow! This I didn't want to admit it. Yeah. No one wants to admit did, that they've done something did wrong. Did you know that deep inside, yeah. or was it? Yeah, okay. I did know it deep inside, okay. of course. But, but you know, I was blaming external forces, sure. the market, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And honestly, I think you can be successful in any market. Totally. And I, you know, I hear a lot of grumblings from people, and and I'm and uh, you know, another friend that's a buyer's agent was saying something to me the other day, and I said, I felt like saying, you know, look, I've got 12 people on my books and we're in the same market yeah but it's just how much you hustle and work for it and don't you know not don't don't take no for an answer because everybody's um on their own journey at, at their time but if that avenue doesn't work find another avenue build yeah. another road yeah like you know my strategic partners i've got a lot of them now and that and i luckily do have a lot of leads fielding in but i'm always looking for new avenues yeah. and um new i just started speaking at a, a new event last night um which is a like a mentoring um through a financial planner I'd only just recently met. Yeah, right. And we hit it off and that was really great and I met a lead last night. So you just never know where they're going to come from. Yeah. You know, I've 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 helped the person downstairs in the, that owns the coffee shop downstairs buy an off market 1.9 last week. Yeah. So you never know where that's going to come from and if yep. you're always networking, but I think the conversations really is admitting to yourself when you have done something wrong and Yeah. How quickly? Or not even if you've done something no, wrong, you've just yeah. um, lost the vision or yes. lost the clarity that you need to take things forward, right? Which is really easy when you're in the business totally. like I am, and I think it's it's. I don't like waiting um, to work out a solution. I'd rather work on it on the fly. So right. I'm like, okay, yes, I admit it. It took me, you know, a day to sort of sink <laughs> in, but a day, that's all I ever give myself for anything. Like if a problem happens, it's only because you're not big enough to see over that problem to see what that solution could be. Yeah. Um, so there, there'll be a way around it. There always is. That's one of my big like sayings is like always a workaround. Yep. We'll work it out, whatever it is. Exactly. Um, so let's just work it out. We might not be able to work it out right here and now, but let's work on this and workshop it until we can work around it. I always say that to my team, particularly before big events like conferences or whatever mm. it is um, or the awards, they'll get a bit wound up and it's like, you know what, I've been doing this for over 20 years. Mm. There is never something that I can't handle. So yeah. we will work it out. Yeah. Relax. It will all be good. But I guess it takes a little while to have that confidence. 
Yeah, and look, it doesn't matter what industry. It's the same when I was in travel. Like I used to be an event manager for American Express and that was a really big job and I was in charge of the most important people for American Express. And there was a lot of things that that would go wrong, but you have to be a thinker on the fly to work out how to have those solutions and things that could really impact the company that you're helping's bottom line if you don't. Um, so you do have to think on the fly. And it's the same with dealing with millions of dollars of property that we're sure. dealing with, you know. I mean, like I was saying to you earlier, Leanne, yep. you know, I've got a – I'm dealing with a client at the moment and we're just about to settle on a property and it, the, the vendor's been quite challenging, um, wanting to take the letterbox out and a number of other things <laughs> and um, just that's working around I want around a photo that. of that letterbox. It must <laughs> be a really special letterbox. <laughs> it's just understanding, um, okay – I know this seems like difficult and talking your clients through it, but you know what? You're going to be in the house of your dreams in in the next couple of days. So let's just focus on that and you'll get yourself something that's probably more your taste anyway and just working around little problems, big problems. Yeah, and so it's not about kind of getting down into the nitty-gritty about the problem. It's just sometimes having a not. bigger picture. Yeah, sometimes not. Depends on what it is. I mean, I think some of the other hard-hitting questions I've had to have, or conversations I should say, that I've had to have have been with staff. That can be really challenging because you're in a small business. Yeah. Um, it's a small team and yep. you do want everyone to get on and you do want everyone to, you know, you want people to respect you and, you know, ideally like you if you possibly can. I, I, I like being liked. You like you doesn't. being liked? And, and, and that's a big thing for a leader, realising that you don't have to always be like, it's like a, being a mum. You don't want to be their best friends. You want to be their mum. Sure. But you want to be, you know, have a great relationship with your child. But you also have to have the hard-hitting, no, you're not eating like that lolly just before yeah. bed because yeah. you're going to get cavities or whatever. So it, it's the same with my team and I do find and I do struggle with it, I have to say, yeah. because I want everybody to have a good time. I want everybody to work hard. Um, and when people don't or don't follow the guidelines and the the policies and things that I've put in place because that's the way that I've always worked and it is my company and I do want to have a inclusive um, team but they're also guidelines for a reason yeah. you know and I suppose a big thing for me and having coaching and understanding that a collaborative approach is is yeah. is important is sometimes a challenge for somebody with a a type personality. I was going to say somebody who might be a control freak. <laughs> Potentially. Yes, sometimes. <laughs> Although I say saying that a control freak, um, I'm not a per- perfectionist. So no. I don't mind putting like a, a podcast out or a quick video or whatever out, even if there's a few flaws in it, because sure. it really is who I am and yeah, it's authentically sure. me. Yeah. So there are perfectionists and then there's, you know, control freaks. So I think I'd probably be the control rather than the perfectionist. But yep. um, uh, yeah, I do want people to enjoy themselves in the team and I want them to work hard and get the reward. I want to see them succeed. Yeah. Um, but having those hard-hitting questions and they're, they're, again, they're blaming every other avenue except themselves and looking in and truly saying, enough, enough. This is not getting you anywhere. You can blame everyone else or you can start looking in and work out what you need to do to get yourself up from that and out. And we all have bad days. We all have days where we don't believe in ourselves. And I know I'm a pretty confident person, but I've been, I've been through those days too. And, and sometimes I know they're not the days that I'm going to pick up the phone to speak to a new client or a new strategic partner, because it's just not the day I'm going to connect with somebody and knowing your limitations. And so will you just make a decision to do something different on those days? Yeah. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And some days, and I don't get those days often because I am quite a positive person, but I can get them, especially if a deal's gone sour. I had something a couple of weeks ago with an off market where um, everything went sour at the last minute. We had checks, 66 W's, signed contracts. We'd negotiated. The, the agent and I had worked really well on this deal and in the past, and the deal fell over. The vendor pulled out at the last minute. My clients were left with their head spinning the 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 agent was angry wanted someone to blame i you know and and i'm it was the solicitor that killed the deal if yeah. you actually look at the facts often can be yeah they kill deals quite often but that's why i always like to deal with solicitors that you know that i know, that you know. so it doesn't yeah. happen but you know sometimes you've got no control the client wants to deal with who they want to deal with but in the end um, it's how you recover from those situations. Absolutely. And how you pick yourself up and get on to the next one. And you know what? They're the ones that I found the 1.9 bigger house in a, like, with a pool already that they were going to have to build in the other one and a bigger so, block. Yeah, it was so better. So it's a better house. Better and house. I said to them, look, I know it might not seem it at the time, but these, we've, we've been pushing hard against this to try to get this deal done. And sometimes when it doesn't flow, it's not supposed to go. And yeah. I said, you know, I, I like think that. that when it doesn't flow, it's not supposed no. to go. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, um, you know, I think that there's something better around the corner. And I said, I do enough of these. Everybody thinks there's only one property for them. There isn't. Yeah. There's a multitude of properties. We've yeah. just got to find it. And literally 10 days later, we did the deal in Mascot. Yeah, perfect. Off market again. So Love those off yeah. markets. Yes. <laughs> we'll get back to that if we, have a, if we have time. So tell me, do you have any strategies for when you are you know, having a bad day? Is there anything that you particularly do? I think that I like to listen to a lot of um, positive reinforcement and and uh, remind myself that it is only um, a small window of time that I might be feeling like this. Yep. Um, I do try not to be interacting with people like that because I don't like to bring other people's energy down. I'd rather bring yep. it up and they have a great memory of me rather than bring them down and make them feel not great for whatever it is. Sure. Um, so I try to limit my interaction with people if I am um, having one of those days. And I like to write a list, okay, um, like a pros and cons of whatever the situation is that's getting me down. Yep. Uh, and then I'll say, you know what, I'm gonna, I've got that. I'm not going to work on it now because I'm not in the headspace, but I'm going to shelf it till tomorrow because tomorrow is always a better day. Well, it always is for me. It's the, yep. that time that I need to have to unwind. And then I'll go and do something for myself. I might go, and if I can, if I'm not too busy, have a massage or go and put my feet in the sand or or speak to a friend that brings me up or, yep. or listen to a podcast that makes me happy um, and know that there's other things in the world that are way bigger than this that I can, you know, that it, people are dealing with and that I will get through it. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just – it's disappointing people is a big thing for me. I don't like disappointing people. Yeah, and right. then when that happened, yep. you know, the clients were disappointed. They knew it wasn't my fault, but it's a, but still, it, it's still, yeah. you feel it. I feel it because I, every single client, no it matter, matters to you. Yeah. It, it's, it's in my bones and yeah. I, and I, um, I take everything on and they, people say, don't things take, take things personally. You can't not if you're invested in what you do. It's like part of who I am and giving excellent It's about learning service. to care, but not too much yeah and that's a really it's, it's a really fine line it's a, that is something that I've had to actually work on myself over mm. the years so I completely understand 
Yeah. So I think they'd be the hardest ones, um, you know, and then there's other there's other conversations with clients that you have to have about their budgets and maybe the market's turn, for example. Yeah. Um, you know, I deal with a lot of flippers. I had to have a really difficult conversation this week, which I really – normally I like to – I've got standard um, service level agreements that I have with my clients to sure. answering calls and, and getting back to people just like I had at American Express. Yeah, so right. it's very important idea. for yeah. me to, to, to adhere to that and my team. But I got an email in which I was really quick to start responding to and then I thought, no, hang on a minute. Yeah. Step away from the email. I Amanda. need to yep. just think about what she's saying. So she was a, um, a flipper that I bought last year and I bought 85000 under the current market value of something that had sold in the building. So I thought I did really well. Yep. She's wanting, And at the time, she could have flipped that property for 1.1. Sure. But as you know, yep. November, October, November, which I bought it in October, October's pricing to now has changed. Sure. So they've got a certain parameter that they have to work towards to, to make a margin, right? Yep. Um, so I, I always build that in so I know that in advance. Now, I've worked that margin out when she's saying that she's not going to make what she wanted. Well, that we don't ever promise that. We no. just buy it at the best property price sure. that you can and we give them an estimate in the day that we're buying its figures of what a renovated property could, but could sure. sell for. Yep. But she was really concerned and the email came across quite um, – Oh, you know, concerned and uh, I don't know. It wasn't angry, but it was it was pretty blunt. Accusatory, yeah, sort of blaming you a little bit, a little bit, yeah. And and I thought, hang on a minute, I'm going to go back to the experts. I'm going back to the school of renovating and have a chat with them about what they're teaching and how they're finding the challenging market. So I met up with her this week, and and then I also spoke to my lawyer about how I should write that back because yep. I am so used to wanting to solve a problem that I can't solve this problem. It's a market condition. Yep. And he said, you you know, you need to do this, this, this and this in your email and then you can make it how you want it but you do need to say those words. So I did that yep. too. And, and, it, and you know, I, and I said, look, I'd love to have the chance to meet up with you face-to-face to discuss this. There's still an opportunity for you to make money yep. in this market but you have to really protect your margins. And that was a really difficult conversation and a difficult email. And maybe not rushing into it would be advice that I would give. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So rather than react to the email, you responded to it. And um, that is... Hard to do yeah. when there's emotion involved, but it's and the when you're only busy, way. yeah. Because I thought I'm yeah. going to leave. I'm going to leave the office. I'm not going to get back to this till tonight, and I'm not going to get my the normal service level yes. that I'm I'm used to providing. Yeah, that all makes sense. That all makes sense. Mm-hmm. And um, you might, you, I guess you're going to have to have more of those difficult conversations with the way the market is. Well, luckily, we should be now. That most of the people from last year have settled, so we should be buying and selling in the same market for the flippers. So yep. it's not as challenging as long yep. as we're buying really well, which we are at the moment. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that that's really – it's – because I'm so vested and I am a renovator, there's a little bit of a, a line that I is blurred with me. So I do need to make sure that's a little bit more succinct, that I am the buyer's agent to buy you the property yeah, at the best I'm price. Not, I'm not. I am I'm not, not the renovation to... expert. Yeah. I am, but I'm not. Yeah, <laughs> you, know, you have yeah. to go back to the people that taught you that and, and get their opinion. So I am always collaborating with them and I get them, I send them properties before I buy them. Can you just check what do you think of this? I think it's a good buy because of these reasons. Can you just do your numbers and check that you've got the same as me? Yeah. So, you know, I'm always trying to collaborate to make sure that the clients are covered on all angles with that too. It sounds like a very comprehensive service to me. Yeah, we don't charge anything extra for that because yeah. I'm so passionate about it. I just love in- including that as part of the service. Yeah. And, um, you know, I suppose that is something down the track I could look at, but I just try to make my service um, affordable for my clients yep. and a value add as much as I can. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm. And we were talking 
earlier about the fact that you're finding a lot of off-market deals at the moment? Yeah, we've seen a rise in the off-market really in the last six months more than any other time and also across all price points. So in the old days, it used to be, you know, three, four, five, ten, twenty, you know, million dollar plus. Uh, But now we're seeing, I mean, I bought something two, four weeks ago in um, Edgecliff for 515,000 for one of my flippers. And then last week for 1.9. So, you know, and I was the only person, not only only buyer's agent, but only person that went through this um, property because the agents were good because they were really could marry up the buyer and the seller. And that's what a good agent can do. If they know the buyer's agent well enough, you've got to have that relationship. They're not going to do that to every email that comes across their desk. They're going to do it to people that they've built up the relationship that, with. Yeah, that's a really valid point. It's not about sending emails out to agents saying, I've got a buyer who wants yep. to spend X for this kind of property. It's about having the, a good brief but having the conversation and developing the relationship. Yep, absolutely. And so how do you go about that? I just think whether it be when I first started, um, some of them knew me from flipping yep. because I'd bought from them before flipping um, and selling, of course, because yeah, of I course. was selling my flip properties. Uh, but but really going, whether I'm just meeting them at opens or making a plan to go to their office, sometimes I've presented to their staff about the, the benefits of a buyer's agent and working with a buyer's agent or um, just catching up with them for drinks afterwards. Some you get along with better than others. Sure. Um, you know, some I haven't done deals with, but I absolutely know that I will and I and I would refer them business any day of the week. It's also referring business, showing that you really trust them and what they do. Yeah, right. You know, I've got some really key um, agents that refer me business and vice versa. I refer them business because they are, um, you know, excellent in their field and I know that they're going to give the same level of service. It's that same level of service and knowing that you're going to pass it on and yeah. get that in return because the first person that they're going to come and complain to is me sure. if they're not happy with the, the agent. They're not going sure. to go back to the agent and tell them. They're going to tell me. Yeah. Uh, you know, so that's really important too. So building up in any way you can, like if they're supporting them on social media, making sure you're yeah. liking their posts. and Yeah, there's a lot. It's a lot easier to, to actually give your support to people these yeah. days because of social media. Yeah. And I know you, um, I think you've only missed one of our Property Girls events in the in the three years that we've been doing them. And it was my and birthday. I was, was going to say, that was a really good excuse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's um, obviously lots of great relationships developed over networking events of any Absolute. kind. Look, I love right? networking events, as yeah. you know. I, I, I'm a big networker. That's yeah. how I built the business. Um, and, and if they're speaking at an event, see if you can tag along yeah. or, you know, support them in their journey and what they're doing too. So they feel valued. You know, yeah. I've been, I went to the, the launch of Avenue when, um, by LJ Hooker and yeah. Mossman because, you know, there was only a select few buyers agents that were included in that invite. And yeah. it was great to see everybody and all their clients too. Yeah, right. Yeah. So they, yeah. They, those sort of things are really important or going out to lunch and, you know, taking um, an agent out that might give you a lot of referrals. Yeah. There's, you know, doing that or give them, giving them a gift and saying, you know, yeah. I really value what you've done for me. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, that's great advice. Well, I have no doubt that your business is going to continue to go from strength to strength. You can see your passion and I'm sure the listeners will be able to hear it. So thank you so much for for taking the time to be here. Pleasure. I've loved it. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Leanne. Bye. Bye.